Hello again and welcome to the Access 21 podcast. I'm John Rocco, Executive Director at the Charlotte Mecklenburg Public Access Corporation. Very pleased to have with me as my guest today, the President of the Board of Directors of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Public Access Corporation, Tommy Nichols. Tommy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. Why don't you tell uh, um, the audience a little bit about how you got involved with Access 21 and some of the things you've uh, been involved with since you've been here? Yeah, it was interesting. I was um, uh, up for being on the board with the Charlotte City Council. Um, David Howard was the individual city councilman that kind of pushed my name. And, uh, and it came down to me and another gentleman, and he beat me out by one vote. Uh, a month later, I got a call from Mayor Clawfelder at the time, who asked me to be his representative on the board. And so that's kind of how I got here. And uh, the organization has changed quite a bit in the last five years or so, six years since you've been here. What are some of the things that, uh, that you've seen uh, come about since, since your time on the board? Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it's been uh, interesting because uh, a lot of transparency, I think that was key. You know, we work with the public, we work with the community, uh, and also producers who are part of that community. So I think we increased our level of transparency uh, to those producers. I think we've opened up the, the portal of conversation of anything that they might have uh, to communicate to the station, whether that's good, bad, or ugly, you know, which is always good to help us to grow. Uh, this podcast studio, which is, I think is awesome, amazing, is one of those things that have happened. Uh, and there is so much that has taken place, I think, in terms of the outreach of the uh, station. I know we outreach to the uh, public library system, and now they're part uh, of, of, of the broadcast. And so community increased uh, access or engagement has taken place as well. And so that plus so many more. What would you say, I mean, we are uh, obviously a free speech forum and we invite anybody in the community anybody in mecklenburg county to come in express themselves but we're in kind of this strange time at the moment where we hear a lot about cancel culture and maybe folks um somewhat leery about expressing their own opinions which is kind of what we're all about so what would your message be to people out in the community who may have a message to get to the community, but may be a little um, afraid maybe to come in and start expressing themselves again, given the climate we're in. Without a doubt. And I think because of the pandemic, you know, we know that uh, I think social media um, uh, engagement, um, streaming platforms, everything has increased in terms of community involvement. Uh, if, You've never thought about doing it. Now would be a time, a great time to get involved with a structured existing studio whereby you can come and express yourself in any form and fashion you would like to. Um, and so when you look at social media, there's so many people express themselves on social media, uh, but yet uh, bring your voice, I think, to a larger community by coming to Public Access TV. Uh, I think that's one of the things that folks are missing out on. This is, I think, the jewel of, of Mecklenburg County uh, and people don't know about it or they heard things about it, uh, whether good or bad, but they need to come down for themselves and take a look. Uh, there also are many industries. I'm always seeing folks. I just had a uh, youth piece Saturday with uh, Commissioner George Dunlap, and it's in me. I'm going to call George and say, George, you need your own show, and it should be called The Chairman's Corner where you invite different people in to have a discussion because George just has so many different stories. So I, I think that if you are creative or if you're someone with 
a platform or you want to create a platform, I think there's nowhere better uh, to do that than to come to uh, public access TV. And I think the, the other point we want to make clear is that we don't make any judgments about your point of view. And I think that's something that we want everybody in the, everybody is welcome right. here. You know, whatever, whatever your, whatever the message is you're trying to get out. And, uh, and the beautiful thing is that folks help each other, even yes. folks of different backgrounds and certainly different points of view. But when they're here, it's like a community. Absolutely. And if you want to talk about Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter, it doesn't matter. You can come here and talk about that and share with people about your feelings or your opinion on why that matters to you. And there's a no judgment, like you mentioned, like Planet Fitness, a no judgment zone here at TV Access 21. Now, I like I, th I plan on as as our podcast moves along to maybe have most of our board members on to talk about what they do outside of their involvement here. And you're, you're involved in a couple of organizations that are uh, similar to, and to some extent to yes. what we do here. Um, the first is the Charlotte Black Film Festival. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. I'm, you know, I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I never planned on doing the film festival. I've uh, been doing technology and media since, uh, media since 2000. But when I moved here, I got a job with the Black Expo to... Uh, videotape this awards program. And during this awards program, a guy by the name of Ronnie Bryant, who was part of the Charlotte Regional Economic Development Group, um, like the chamber, but regionally, uh, he said that film, I'm watching this, I'm video recording this, that film had the potential to be bigger than uh, the Panthers, at the, uh, the Panthers, the Hornets, and NASCAR all put together. This is what I'm hearing. And it blew me away when he talked about the potential film in the region. And so I went to my computer and looked up what was happening for African-Americans in that space. And uh, I found nothing. And uh, I thought that the Charlotte Black Film Festival would be a great way to create a platform uh, that folks' voices can be heard, their uh, talents. Uh, we can provide education where they can improve on their skills. Uh, and then also we will shout, sound alarm when there's opportunities uh, that exist for them. Uh, and I say this all the time. I said, we, we are an economic development organization that uses film as that platform. Uh, in my lifetime, anytime there's an economic train that comes through any city, and it can be anywhere across the country, Dayton, Ohio, Charlotte, North Carolina, New York, anytime that happens, African-Americans have historically been on the caboose side of uh, the distribution of that, and we, we find ourselves fighting over films. I made it my point to make sure that if an economic train of film come through North Carolina like it did one uh, year, many years uh, before, that I make sure that we'll be in the engine, if not driving the train. So how does the festival work? I, folks submit their work, and then uh, I assume there's different categories. Tell yes. us about how the actual festival works. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we work with Film Freeway, and we have an open call uh, whereby uh, we have an uh, early bird entry, regular entry, and late entry, where we get films from all over the world uh, who, who is interested in our festival and they submit whether it's a short film, documentary, feature film, TV web series. We have a category, Black Women in Film, that's been doing tremendous uh, music video and a student category. And so, and also this year, we created an art and film category. So those are art films, whether it's dance, music, uh, and that's doing well. We just closed out the 2021 uh, submission, and everyone just got their uh, official selection uh, materials yesterday. And so we're getting ready for our 11th year of the film festival. 
uh, once again, probably 20 countries uh, submitted um, uh, from everywhere. So, so super excited about that. And that's been my claim to fame. When I started the festival, that's how folks around the state, around the country know who Tommy Nichols is for the most part, uh, was through the Charlotte Black Film Festival. And do you have a panel? How are, how are the... Uh how are the entries rated? Is there a, a judging panel and yes, who yes. are they and how does all that work? Yeah, we have a jury that look uh, for each category. So we have a separate jury for each category. And in our film submission platform, there's a grading scale in which they would grade each and every film. Also allows them to do comments about that particular film. Uh, and then uh, we get together at the end and determine which ones will be our official selection that we will screen at the festival. So now the pandemic has been a big change for everybody. So you're running a film festival, and for the most part, I assume at the moment, it has to be virtual. So how has that affected the the festival itself and maybe the entries that people are submitting? It was interesting. Last year, uh, we, went, we went virtual, first time. I think what helped us was my background in technology. You know, I've been in technology forever since I was 19. You know, uh, first PC, <laughs> the XT, okay? I've been around since then. Not so, the Commodore 64? No, That's no, what we no, had no. in my house. Yeah, yeah, that came after. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, as a result, I was able to maneuver and find the certain apps or platforms we wanted to use uh, to, to allow our festival to be as close as possible to in-person, but yet virtual. And so very successful. When we look at our, our Facebook numbers, uh, we had um, an engagement, meaning someone either liked or commented. We had over 18,000. 18, uh, and then we had an impression. We had over 50,000 impressions. And so it was very successful uh, last year going to a virtual format. And, of course, we're doing it again this year. Has anyone expressed any... Um change in mindset given a the pandemic and b as we mentioned earlier the whole cancel culture kind of thing has, has that had any effect on the creativity of the of the entries do you think yes i mean uh, i think this year we're seeing some entries that were prior COVID. you know what i mean and uh but then there's some folks who did step out even myself uh we created a film during the pandemic a short film uh, but yet, I think, that, you know, so in terms of creating new content um, in, for the last 12 months, I think that has slowed down. Do you think uh, creators are more resistant or um, afraid to produce certain types of things because of what's going on out there at the moment? I mean, as someone who's been doing this for 33 years right, and right. encouraging people yeah. to speak and the first amendment. I know I'm concerned about it, that, right, right. that people are intimidated to actually express themselves, whether it be politically or artistically, because maybe it's something they say, this, this might get me in trouble. I might yeah. get attacked on Twitter. Absolutely. I might have people at my house. I Absolutely. Might, has that? Has oh that, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I see that even in my personal life. I mean, because some folks want the vaccine, others don't, you know, that's one prime example when it comes to content creators, a lot of cr content creators, uh, creators are bold and yeah. they're daring. Right. Uh, but it's the folks you're trying to get to work with you on your project that's not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's probably where right. the problem comes in, you know. Right. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm 
concerned about it because yeah. I just think, I mean, you see all kinds of things in the press now. This person's canceled. This person said something 25 years ago, so they're canceled. Absolutely. And it's just dangerous. It's just very dangerous. It, it, it really is. And, you know, there's back, you know, it's so interesting that how that, you know, we was told that growing up as a kid, uh, what is it? Sticks and stones may broke, break my bones, mm-hmm. but words would never hurt me. Right. That's now, when we're kids. <laughs> now the words are the stones, I guess. It, it is. It <laughs> is. And so now we've gotten so sensitive about certain things and it has been, um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, and uh, certain things are justified. Maybe certain things are not. Well, and we don't want people to become uh, afraid to speak out about right. whatever it is in fear of being ostracized by some other group, you know, whatever, whatever your opinion is, uh, we have a country based on the right to express oneself. This is true. Even even so, you will have so many people who will attack you because of your voice, right? Yes. Meaning on social media, doing social media all the time. But the key thing is that you get an opportunity to speak your voice, give power to your voice. That's more important than anything that anybody else can say to me. Right. And I'm always amazed that when someone says, well, you know, I've been attacked on Twitter. Well, then don't look at it because <laughs> if you don't, if you don't look at it, right. it doesn't have any effect right. on right. you. Right. Um, so that's something that, that uh, I think we have to, we have to keep an eye on and encourage people to continue to be out there and, uh, and challenge things yeah, and, yeah. and state your opinion. Yeah. I think every voice, there's also on the other side, you got tons of supporters. So no matter who you are, or what you're saying, there are so many people that think the same way. Right. And they're just waiting for someone to speak about it. Yeah. So you're also involved in another organization uh, yeah. for young people. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a couple of things I do. You know, Power Up USA uh, started because when I was in Ohio, I had summer camp. So I've been working with youth for a long time. I had a tech school in Dayton, Ohio, called New Destiny Computer Training Center, where we did Microsoft certifications. Um, and, and just like I was way ahead of my time because this was in the 90s. And just being exposed to technology, I was you know, training folks had the testing center and the training center in one location. CompTIA A plus PC repair certification, we did that as well. Uh, but Power USA is just a real great program where we work with underserved communities, uh, young people uh, in the county, uh, and teach them technology, gaming. We have a gaming program starts is going on today at four. Technology, gaming, coding. Um, uh, digital uh, filmmaking. So we do all of that and been doing it now uh, here in Charlotte for about five years, uh, which is really, really amazing. And so we're finishing up our after school program and then going to our summer camps as well. So, uh, and even came, brought a group of kids here uh, and uh, you guys allowed them to get on the cameras and, and see what that looked like and see themselves in the monitor and all that good stuff. So it was really, really exciting. So is the purpose to uh, interest these kids in these types of things as careers or just as uh, an area of interest of yeah. this? Um, I was the first African-American in my technology department. And, of course, I went through a lot. But one of the things I understood was the jobs even then, now, and the future are centered around technology. And I believe also the creative part of technology is very important as well because of the user, inter- user interface that's there. And so we want to expose these young people to uh, those skills, 21st century skills that they might not have an opportunity to get exposed to so they can make some real decisions as they get older. 
Yeah, and the kids today are so much more in tune, A, because the technology exists. It didn't exist when I was their age. Um, It seems like by the age of, you know, two or three, they know how to work an iPad and a a computer. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. iPads are given to... uh, babies to keep them occupied so <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> but you know that's uh, i see babies all the time with ipods watching movies and then they get bored they flip to another movie and they know how to walk uh, work the ipad <laughs> you know yeah so you're actually teaching this in a school setting uh, no, we teach it right now. We're teaching it virtually. Our school program oh, okay. is virtually. And no, we teach at different locations. So we taught in West Charlotte uh, uh, at Johnson C. Smith University. We taught the program there at the library. Uh, uh, we taught it there at Mosaic Village on the roof. We taught it there, East Side, East Library, as well as East Baptist Church. So we, we go around the community teaching uh, the programs, those who are partnering with us, until we get in a, fa- a facility of our own. Uh, we've been remote in our training. And how, what is, what is the age group of the kids that I, are involved? They start at age seven, seven wow. to 18, you know, and it's amazing to me. The seven and eight, nine-year-olds blow my mind because they are so witty. They are so in tune. They are so hungry for information. And in many cases, they're the most creative. Yeah. yeah. And um, do you think that a lot of the kids uh, have chosen to be in the program or, or are some of them there because... Their parents want them there. I, I think majority of the kids want to be there, and then you have the parents for some who encourage them to be there, which we encourage the parents to get involved, and we're really push, push, stepping that up now because we understand the accountability we want the kids to have, want their parents to be involved. The parents start researching uh, other a- uh, information about these careers uh, so that they can help make good decisions for their kids. You know, And so I think that's super, super important. Because that's the jobs. That's that's what's going to be here. Uh, and if we're not prepared for it, uh, we're going to be left out, and uh, and it's going to be too late. And we want kids to have a broad uh, experience of things that they can do for a career. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, our after-school program and summer camp last year was sponsored by the Art and Science Council Cultural Blocks. So they supported us in that. And so, um, and then before it, parents were supporting you know, they come out their pocket to pay, you know, for the training. So, uh, so we're super excited about that and looking for other opportunities as well to do that. Uh, and then one of the other things we do is called the Carolina uh, Black Film Collective. And so our film festival is an annual event, but the collective is a monthly event that we have uh, where we have guest speakers come in. We have uh, uh, filmmaker boot camps. Uh, we have multiple areas of training as well as we produce our own short films. So that has been going on now for 10 years uh, as part of a meetup, the Carolina Black Film Collective. So we do that monthly to keep folks engaged, keep them training, uh, provide training, uh, and, and, and a way to collaborate with each other as well to create content. And I believe when you were here with the group of kids, didn't you connect with like um, a group in Africa somewhere that day, right? Thank, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Yes, we had we have a culture exchange with uh, a group in Nigeria, uh, a group of young creatives in Nigeria, uh, where we were here and we were uh, they were both sharing their uh, projects that they had created in each individual uh, uh, program. And so yeah, it was it was amazing. And I also was the host for a group of creatives that came here from the State Department uh, from Zimbabwe at one time as well, and it showed them around and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, but the kid piece was really amazing, really amazing. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because a couple of years ago I had a group of officials from Thailand 
come in and tour the facility. Oh, wow. And they were really interested in what we did, but it was so foreign to their way of thinking that uh, folks could come in and basically say whatever it is they wanted to say. Um, because that's something that they don't have in their country. Absolutely. And it's, and it's not that it's like a, a, a authoritarian government, but the, just the concept that the city provides a place for people to come in. And if they want to criticize the city, <laughs> that's amazing. It, it really it was, is. It was amazing to them. Yeah. 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 When you think about other countries, you just think about that a whole platform and other countries doing that, which they do. But many times when they do that, it, it, it turns into violence. Yeah. 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 And in, and in Thailand, for example, I went to Thailand two years ago. Um, if you criticize the king out loud, you go to prison. Oh, wow. For like 20 years. Oh, that's, that, that's so interesting. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things happened, too, for me in the, during the pandemic was I think we have access to folks outside of the local area. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of engagement with organizations, and I'm part of the uh, founding committee here of a group that was established in the pandemic with the Sundance Institute mm-hmm. and the um, National Endowment for the Arts, uh, and it's called the Indie Media Arts South. That's the name of the group, and we meet monthly uh, to talk about how can we uh, look at things f- in the South and, of course, in the region of North Carolina to make sure that there's resources for content uh, creators uh, and what what's happening uh, from the government side that can support us as well. So that's been an amazing, amazing experience with Sundance Institute, the National Endowment for the Arts. And they even hired me to be on a panel uh, for the National Endowment of the Arts for uh, uh, their last series of grants for content creators. And that gave me just a different perspective of what folks were doing, how they laid out their proposals. So it was a great experience for me. And I got paid. Oh, well, that's good. That's always a, a bonus. Yes, yes. Um, we, um, I'd like to just let the audience know that um, if you want to have a TV show here at Access 21 or a podcast, but in particular the TV side, um, we have video on demand and our programming is seen literally all over the world. And we've We've actually had our programs seen in 101 different countries now. Yeah. And so the reach, if you come down here, whether you do a podcast or a TV show, is far beyond Mecklenburg County. Oh, without a doubt. And talk about the different apps. I know we have Apple TV. Yes, we're seen on uh, Roku. Roku. Apple TV mm-hmm. and Amazon Fire. Amazon Fire. And, of course, on you can stream the channel live on our website. Yeah. So we have all these different platforms, and uh, I'm sure more will come along as uh, as time goes on. And now we have the podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts, so yeah. wherever you're listening to this. Uh, so let your friends and family know yeah. uh, about and the app. And what's really great about that, all the new people that's moving to Charlotte area, okay, now you, have, you can uh, now produce content here that will reach I don't care where you came from in the States. Now folks in California and New York and Texas or wherever now can also watch and view your programming that you shoot right here. And so I think that's amazing thing, especially for the growth that we see in here in Mecklenburg County. Yeah, I know the producers. I always try when I, I, I look once a week at the, the analytics as to where people are tuning in and what they're watching. And I always try to let a producer know, hey, you know, someone in Japan watched your show, and they get very excited when it's somebody in an, and you know, why why are they watching? I have no idea, but they are. They've tuned in. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you think about the resource that we have. I think anyone that comes here and takes a tour of the facility is just kind of blown away, and they're saying, you know, we can get this for how much? 
we can we can utilize this facility for how much out of our pocket, and we can have support, bring volunteers that can become producers or have a pool of volunteers that will work with us, uh, and then have the support with all the different training that takes place here as well. That's the things that I'm excited about. When I see you have uh, editing training, producer training, field training, con- uh, master control training, Everything you need is here for someone to be up to power. And sometimes folks bypass college that they don't, they're not for sure. This is a great place to start. Yeah. And I, for example, this, this Saturday, we're having a class in green screen. Oh, I saw do that green screen. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we tried to, uh, we try, we'll have one just on lighting or, or we do one on uh, set design and all kinds of things to help you, uh, do your program. So we would encourage folks to come down and do their program or become a member. Yeah. If, if, I mean, there are so many folks out there that they're shooting film or doing things to want to learn about green screen. I mean, that is chroma key. How, how does that work and what all can you do with that? So, uh, that should be a full class. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then there's lots of other things we offer too throughout, throughout the uh, year if you become a member. So we would encourage everybody to become a member. And we certainly want you to take advantage because this is a resource that the city of Charlotte provides yes. to his residents that a lot of people don't have in their communities. Yeah. I get calls all the time from people from elsewhere about, you know, do you know, how do I do a public access show in, uh, in Gastonia or right. here or there? And, uh, Unfortunately for them, they don't have that, but we do. So we want you to come out and take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, you know, the city leaders and, and uh, commun- leaders throughout the community of Charlotte to understand the this is an asset for, for this city and for this community. Uh, and if they haven't been down, they need to come down and take a tour as well so they can be uh, promoters of what's going on here in their city. Well, Tommy, I want to thank you for coming in and spending a few minutes with us on the relatively brand new Access 21 podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, If you would like to have your own program or if you're interested in becoming a member at Access 21, you could visit our website for more information. That's uh, tvaccess21.com. Or you can give us a call at 704-377-8988. I'd like to also remind you that this podcast was produced at the facilities of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Public Access Corporation. I want to thank our engineer, James Rossi, as always. I'm John Rocco. We'll talk to you again soon.